Right, welcome to Family Matters. Um, today we have some special guests from all the way from the UK. Um, it's night time for them and it's early morning for us as we record this. So uh, yeah, we're, uh, we've got Dan and Gina Woodcock with us this evening, or this morning, whatever time of day it is. And they, Dan and Gina are gonna be talking to us about depression. Now Dan's been through depression for a period of around about eight years, but he'll explain that later. And um, so he and Gina have some really solid first-hand experience of what it's like experiencing depression and living with someone with depression and what we can do, to, what we can all do and how we can all respond to that um, for each of them. Um, so we're looking forward to that this morning. So welcome, Dan and Gina. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Uh, what we'll do before we start, we'll just open with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we're really thankful that we can be here today. We're thankful for this technology to be able to allow us to share experiences and, and wisdom from around the world. And we pray for your blessing on Dan and Gina. We pray for their health and for their, um, their help for us today. We pray that you would give them words of encouragement and strength for all of us who are dealing with, with mental illnesses and and all the sorts of things that go on in our lives. Um, please guide us this morning, we pray, and reach out and be with all those who are experiencing depression or mental anxiety or, or any of those sort of issues, because you know their needs and Heavenly Father, they're really hard for us to see. So please open our eyes so that we can help and be a blessing to those around us as well. We ask this and give you our thanks through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So welcome, Dan and Gina. What, what I want to do just to start with is to do a Bible reading. Um, just a quick one from Psalm 102. Um, now, this is Dan's written a series of articles in the Christadelphian magazine, which is how I tracked them down. And... Uh, and one of the places he quoted was, was Psalm 102. So um, I'll just read the first 11 verses. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I, when I call. Answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. Because of my loud groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse, for I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. For you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. So I know in your article, Dan, that's, that's a bit how you described how you were feeling. So can you tell us your story about, about depression? Uh, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, I don't think I've read that psalm since I read it. Um, to put into the article and it's just just reading over it again is just 
it's just it just so ex exactly matches the symptoms of depression it's it's unreal um as far as i go i probably suffered for depression for as long as i could, from depression for as long as i can remember um never never really really badly until i was in my 20s um but i suffered suffered with it mildly throughout my teens um not that i it, it more manifested itself in uh, low self-esteem um, and things like that in my teens. But once I got into my 20s, it got steadily worse. Um, I, then when I was out, I was out of work for a while and that just made it even worse. And I think I fell into a couple of the uh, likely causes or likely groups to get depression. So, because both my mum and dad suffer with depression, um, and as I said, low self-esteem is another indicator. Um, so, I, it was sort of mild up until my mid twenties. Um, then I was out of work, and it basically I dealt with it really, really badly. The fact that I was out of work and depressed, so I was just basically sat at home with my own thoughts. Um, I started drinking really heavily. I ended up completely emotionally numb. Uh, I did so many stupid things, which and made so many terrible choices, which I don't, which I won't go into tonight. But it's um, it was basically searching for some way to feel something because it, the depression left me feeling like a zombie, like I didn't really know if I was human or not, or what I was, because there was just no emotion or anything. I couldn't, what, so I was looking for something to feel, whether it was, it didn't matter if it was guilt or sadness or upset, feeling something would be better than just feeling nothing. Um, and this lasted- Were you married at the time? Sorry? Yes, yeah, this was just after we'd got married that, uh, that I was going to say just after we got married that things started to go downhill, but that's not, not quite what I meant. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk uh, yeah. about that another time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was just, just, um, just after, well, about six or eight months after we got married that I lost my job and that was when when things really started yeah, to go badly. it kind of just spiraled from there really, didn't it? Yeah, worse. and basically things stayed like that for what, about six, eight years, something like that. Um, and I eventually began to come out of it slowly, um, but it was incredibly slow progress. Um, and it's only been the last two or three years really that I've started to feel like myself and be able to really do things and to have kind of more ups than downs isn't it yeah. the, the balance started to change to more ups and less downs but that's only in the last couple of years really so. mm. oh well so how long did they go on I, I said eight years originally but was that it, yeah i think that we just can't count when we said eight years to start with <laughs> we did say eight years to you but actually uh eight to 14 is only six years Okay. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, that was just the really bad time, and I mean, it was still bad after that. But after, but 
there was a slight turning point there and things started to look a bit better. And it's kind of difficult to put a definite number on, isn't it? Because it's, yeah. you know, when you started to feel better, it was such tiny steps in the right direction that you can't really say this is when it got better. Yeah. It kind of was such a gradual process. And um, some of the steps were probably giving you ups and downs as well, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, even within that really bad time, there were certain times when you could still go out and you could still do some of the things you used to do. Yeah. Um, and now things are much better. There are still some days where you find things difficult again. So I think it is, it's all about the ups and downs. Yeah, and I've learned to manage it a lot better as well and to know my own uh, brain, if you like. Um, and I know when when I'm stuck, when it's starting to come on, I can feel it and I know the sort of things that I need to do. Um, or, yeah, yeah. So, so describe for us what depression is and what it isn't and what that looked like for you, Dan. What an excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what depression isn't is just feeling a little bit sad. Um, everybody has days when they feel down or they feel miserable, even if it's really, really miserable. For most people, it tends to just be like a day, two or three days here and there. Um, it's also not grief. Grief is um, grief is a completely natural emotion. It's it's the way we deal with loss and things uh, associated with that. But grief can lead to depression if it carries on too much, if it carries on too long. But usually with grief, you get happy memories associated um, with whatever you're feeling sad about. You've got happy things to look back on, whereas that's not the case with depression. Everything is just black. Mm. Um, it's also not a lack of faith. There's, uh, there's just... It causes a lack of faith, but it isn't a lack of faith, or it can cause a lack of faith. It did for me. Um, basically, it's a mental illness. Um, and if you if you break your leg or something, then your brain is the thing that helps you to say, right, this, give it six weeks in plaster or whatever, you'll be uh, you'll be up and walking about again. Whereas if it's your brain that's got the problem, then there's nothing to tell you um, how long that you can't put a time frame on it. You can't say these are the logical steps because your brain is like all over the place. And so that's part of what makes depression so bad because you just can't see an end to it because your brain can't process what's going on. I mean, with um, the medical definition, it's to do with being two weeks or yeah, more, yeah. isn't it, of, of feeling that low. So it's that sustained feeling rather than it being ups and downs. Yeah. So yeah, a real blackness. It's yeah, it's, it, it's incredibly difficult to describe. I'll, uh, I'll tell you through some of the symptoms that I had because it's, it's, it's just difficult to sum up. Um, feeling down, sad or depressed. Yeah, we've been through that one. Feeling isolated and alone. And it's such a weird, weird feeling. Because there is half of you that just wants to say, just leave me alone. I just want to be on my own. Just don't yep. come near me. I just want to curl up and be on my own. But then there's another half of you that is desperate just to be loved and just make everything better for me, please. Um, and it, it's just, it's such, so conflicting. 
it's it's just such conflict and like you you'll go to one thing you'll go go and lie down in bed and curl up and cry or whatever and at that point all you want is someone to come and give you a hug and just tell you everything's going to be all right but then as soon as they do that you're like no no i don't want to be near you go away <laughs> it's just such yeah. an odd feeling um there's a loss of interest in anything that you really enjoy doing like i used to be really really heavily into football um but i just lost interest in it completely i didn't want to watch it i didn't want to play it didn't really care what was going on and it was just so unlike me it it, it just wasn't me at all i just had no interest in doing anything and no energy to do anything you can there's under or overeating which is like quite a broad thing but people deal with it in different ways some people don't eat at all uh some people eat loads i mean the last time i had a really bad bout of depression i was eating what maybe three slices of bread a day we used to have the thick chunky bread and i'd just cut myself a slice of that put some butter on it and just eat that because that's all i could bring myself to to eat and even that it's just it's just like eating things is like eating cardboard or like the psalm says your food is turned to ashes it's it's just like that because i normally i love food and but there's just no taste in it and it's just like chewing for the sake of it you eat because you know you have to eat something but really just it becomes a job yeah, yeah exactly exactly that uh, trouble sleeping or sleeping all the time. Weirdly, I had both of those at the same at the same time. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. I would, I would sleep all day, um, or sleep half of the day. But when I tried to go to sleep at night, I would go to sleep all right. Um, but I would just wake up with my heart pounding, with anxiety, um, my stomach in knots, and there just there's just no explanation for it. Um, and it makes you feel so terrible. You've got all this adrenaline as soon as you wake up, just suddenly coursing through your body. And it's just, it's terrifying, really. You wake up shaking and head pounding, heart pounding. And it it's, just made you so horrible. tired, didn't it? Because yeah. you, you try and catch up the sleep in the day, but then you couldn't sleep at night. Yeah. And it just went round in a cycle. And then, I mean, you were just so tired. I mean, even you know, he'd been maybe get up for a couple of hours and just have to go back to bed because you were just yeah. so exhausted. Part of that, though, is... How much, how much do you think the lack of sleep contributed to um, the depression being there? Or the uh, bad cycles? It's, it's difficult to say now because obviously it was caused in the first place by the depression. Right. But I know now that if I get too overtired, then it does start to come back. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine it was a contributor. Yeah, I mean, when our daughter was born 10 months ago, she just didn't sleep at all. And that caused you to feel really low, didn't yeah. it? Because you were missing so much sleep, so. Yeah. Part of it is just that depression is such a an energy-sapping disease anyway, because you, it's sometimes I would get up on a good day and be like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And be up by about 10 o'clock, I would, in the morning i'd be absolutely exhausted saying, because, yeah. because it just you're fighting every single thought that comes into your head like every single slight thought 
you have to push back like and it takes so much effort to push back every thought like no that's not right no that's not right that's not that's not right every single time and it's absolutely exhausting yeah um what else have we got feeling worthless low self-esteem increased sensitivity to guilt is another thing um i would only have to do the slightest thing wrong and i would feel such terrible crushing guilt that i just felt like i couldn't live with myself and um, i would just curl up on the floor and just just sob basically i just say i just cannot stand being me anymore i don't want to be me anymore and you couldn't be convinced otherwise there was nothing no. that i could say to convince him that you know this is the depression that's making you feel like this you know that you haven't done anything wrong you've got nothing to feel guilty for i i could say all of that and he made absolutely no difference because in your mind it was all true yeah yeah <coughs> and then uh, the one of the rarer ones i think unless you have dep depression really severely is uh, the psychotic symptoms or like delusions hallucinations which I've only really suffered with once, um, which was last time I had a really bad bout of depression. I kept seeing, flashing across my phone, um, military is watching, military is watching, and it just wouldn't go away. And it's just like this utter paranoia that, that, I, that I built up in my head. And I just, I don't even know where it came from, but I'd, I've never had anything like that before or, since thankfully but I, yeah. I kept just having to show gene on my phone so are, you, are you seeing this is this even real and it's so scary i don't I really it's hard to it's hard to overstate what kind of an impact depression can have on your mind and it can make you see and hear things that aren't there which is never something that i really associated with depression at all no no, that's the new one to me too. That's yeah, yeah it's really yeah. It's um yeah. I'd I'd heard I'd heard about it, but never sort of believed that it would actually happen. Um, but obviously it did. Yeah. Yeah. So, Gina, um, you you were married to uh, Dan right through most of this, the worst of it. How did yeah. you cope? What, 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 what did you experience? Well, I mean, I knew, um, I mean, I've known Dan for, well, since we were, what, 12 or 13? Um, so I knew as a teenager that he did suffer with depression, although it was only mild. And then when we were going out, again, I knew that he had some bad days, but I never really saw maybe the full extent of it, or I suppose it wasn't as bad then. Um, so it was only really, as Dan said, about six months or so after we got married that he really plunged into this really deep depression. Um, and I just, I knew nothing about depression. It wasn't something I've really had any experience with. I, I didn't really know what it was. I didn't know how serious it was. And so to start with, I kind of just tried to ignore it and hoped it would go away and hoped he would just start to feel better and that would be it. Um, I soon realized that wasn't the case. And actually this was, you know, this was something long-term. This is something that, you know, we both needed to work through together. It, it was hard because I, because I didn't really know how to deal with it, I found it hard to talk to people about. And yeah. um, I also felt it wasn't really my thing to talk about. 
I didn't want to talk to other people about how hard things were or how Dan was feeling. I felt that was almost disloyal because it was it was his thing, not mine. Um, but I think not talking about it made it harder for me, and perhaps that's I should have done that, and that would have would have made it a bit. Easier. Um, I think I felt I felt pushed out. You know, we'd only just got married, and suddenly there was like this divide between us already. We didn't really talk to each other, and I didn't know how to help. He didn't want me to help. Um, it it yeah. wasn't the start of the married life that I was expecting. Um, and I think I felt like I must have done something wrong as well, because it started so soon after we got married, this particularly bad, bad bout. I yeah. thought it must somehow be my fault or that other people would think it was my fault as well. Um, and so it took it took a long time to work through, um, you know, really small steps. And, and then we, we got there in the end. <laughs> so so what did you do to help to, to keep your marriage together? I mean, even six years of of that divide and you know walls and it's really tough yeah I, mean, I, think I, know, also, I know what five minutes is like <laughs> <laughs> I think because it was so early on in our marriage as well we hadn't really had that time to build a really strong foundation of marriage to begin yeah. with so I think if we'd had time before it hit it maybe would have been different but because it was so early on we hadn't really had that time together to build to build our marriage um and I think it, it did really test our marriage. It was it was it was really hard because I was I was ready to be settled down to you know to be in the wife role and I think you know you you just felt I I was just incredibly immature to be honest. I I still wanted to be a young lad going going to the pub with my mates and do what I want to do and that all contributed even further to my depression because I felt guilty for wanting to feel like that for feeling like that and guilty for for doing things like that um which then just made my depression worse um and made things worse for both of us did you feel trapped as well like because you're married yeah. now you couldn't yeah yeah I did yeah yeah definitely um I think part of me had always seen moving out and getting married is like being free but <laughs> but then like i came to realization that gina was like careful <laughs> I, I, was, I was gonna say locking me in the house but then i thought no one's gonna get that joke so i won't say it <laughs> but now i've said it anyway but no but obviously it's not you're you're making a new commitment to somebody else um uh, that's, and I think suffering the depression so early on meant you never really got almost to begin that role, did you? Because no. of the depression. So. No, and as I said, I, part of um, part of wanting to like, go out with my mates and things was to deal with the depression because, as I said, I, I drank so heavily because it was the only way that I could get some kind of relief from what I was feeling in my head, um, and it was just. It was just for like for those few hours or for that evening, it was like a whole weight of pressure because that's what alcohol does to you. It like loosens all your inhibitions, um, makes you feel more relaxed. Obviously, it's a huge depressant as well, which doesn't help afterwards. But at the time, it was just those few hours relief from the like the crushing pressure and horribleness in my head. Yeah, I mean, well, it it was a really difficult time for us, and I think 
in some ways, I think if we hadn't had the truth, our marriage might not have, have survived no. uh, through all of this. But I, I really believed that things would get better. And I knew I knew who Dan was without the depression. And I knew that he could get back to that person again. Um, and I believe that that God must have put us, you know, must have put us in this marriage for a reason. Um, and so I was determined kind of to keep things going and 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 just kept hoping that little by little things would get better. Um, even when kind of Dan was pushing me away, I, you know, I was not going anywhere. Yeah. So no, it was it was pretty much Gina and um, and God that kept our marriage together, and that was it. Because I don't think there was one kind of major thing or one major turning point. It was all just little, little by little, um, until you started to feel a bit better, really, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So to tell us how this affected your faith and how you, yeah, how you handled the, um, your spirituality throughout this time. What, what happened? Um, I pretty much just drove myself as far as I could away from the truth. Um, I would turn up occasionally on a Sunday, but to be honest, it, it meant nothing to me at that point. I, w I wanted Gina to be happy, so I would I would go along. I mean, um, I was baptised at 18, and I think by about 28, I'd I'd strayed about as far away from the truth as I possibly could. I don't think I had any faith at that point at all. Um, I just, although I did believe in God, I didn't have any faith that he was working at all in my life. And I, the only reason that I know that I still believed in God is because I knew that what the things that I was trying to do to make myself feel something, the way that I was dealing with my depression and all this emotional numbness, I knew that it wasn't right and that. I was not doing the right thing in God's eyes. And I didn't know how to reconcile that with the fact that I believed in God. Um, and basically I just tried to convince myself that it didn't matter at all to me and I didn't care. It's almost um, like a protective thing. Yeah, it was. It was like a protective thing because it did matter and I did care and I desperately wanted to be part of it somewhere deep down but I didn't feel like I could be sorry did that make any sense at all yeah yeah yeah, yeah. totally yeah. yeah what about you Jenna yeah I mean I had to go to the meeting on my own for a long time as Dan said he would come every now and again but really only because I would keep nagging and saying you know please will you come with me today or you know maybe you'll feel better if you come to the meeting and so Every now and again he would, um, but mostly I was going on my own and that that was really hard. Um, and I, I didn't want to talk to people at the meeting about it. I felt quite embarrassed and I didn't really know where to start. I mean, even, this is what, 12, 13 years ago, even that long ago, people didn't really talk about depression very much. I think particularly maybe in the meeting, it wasn't something people talked about and I didn't really know where to start talking about it. So I just didn't. I just used to make excuses and say, oh, Dan's not, not very well. He's got a headache or he's tired rather than talk about what was really going on. Um, 
and so for a while I ended up going to another meeting not because our, our own meeting weren't supported because they were but just for me I felt I needed to be somewhere where I wasn't always thinking oh I would have had Dan sat next to me or mm. you know all the memories of being there with Dan and part of it was that it was the meeting that I'd grown up at, so everyone wanted to know where I was, what I was doing, how I was doing, things like that. So Gina couldn't get away from it, whether she was at home or whether she went to the meeting, it was always there. Yeah, so in some ways going somewhere else meant I could kind of just focus on that for a while and not not think about all the other things. Um, but then as you started to to feel a little better and kind of want to go to the meeting a little bit more. We went back to our own meeting because um, it was easier for you to go where you did know everybody mm. and you knew everyone kind of knew you and, and could talk to you about it. Um, but I think it it did it did test my faith because I did think, you know, this is I've got, this is such a difficult thing to deal with and I, I'm not sure how to deal with it. Um, I did think about, you know, um, Kind of what, why has God put me in this particular marriage? So, what is is there a particular is there a reason for this? Is is am I supposed to be able to help Dan through this? Um, yeah. And I try to think positively and think to the future and think maybe one day we'll meet another couple who are going through something similar and perhaps we'll be able to share some of our experience with them. And actually, that kind of kept me going because I kept thinking there will be a, a point to this. There's a reason for this, um, and I needed that thought to keep me going. I think. Then who knows? <laughs> now might be the time. Yeah. One thing I did want to say was that I just realized that I'd gone on about how far away I went from the truth without actually saying coming around to the point that I wanted to make about it. Um which was that I don't want people to think that I'm saying all this because I want people to feel sorry for me. The point is that I want I would hate for anyone to feel as isolated or as cut off from God as I did. I never want anyone to come so close as I did to giving up completely. Um, because I thought I'd lost my chance to be in the kingdom when I finally came round and realized that that was what I wanted, that I wanted to be in God's kingdom. I thought it was too late. I thought I'd I'd just blown it and that was it but um the thing that we have to remember I think is that our Lord is like the father in the parable of the lost son and that he's always looking out for us looking for us to find to make that first move to turn back to him and I think it's just it's so encouraging like I always used to like when older brethren when I was younger used to say oh, oh that passage of scripture moves me to tears I always used to think, oh, you're over-dramatising, come on, <laughs> grip. <laughs> but actually, now when I read that, it, it really does bring tears to my eyes, the parable of the lost son. It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So what, what were the turning points? Oh, yeah, you said there was there was no big turning point, but <laughs> were there, there were little steps along the way? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um... I think little things that built your confidence really helped along the way. Yeah. So things like um, when Dan learned to drive, that made a difference because it gave him a bit more confidence in himself. He felt he'd achieved something. Um, so I think little steps like that definitely helped, didn't they? Yeah. And we were talking earlier, weren't we, about um, the fact that 
even though I was still really ill, um, my my benefits were stopped um, because I'd been claiming um, medical benefits, and we couldn't really understand why. We had lots of phone calls with the I can't even remember who it was. Is it the benefits the, office? Yeah, the benefits office. And um, we just we couldn't understand why because I was still so clearly really ill. Um, but now we've looked. Now we can look back on that and see that that was the Lord nudging me because he knew that I was ready to start something else, even though I didn't know. And it yeah. was I it was because of that that I had to find a way to get back into work. And so it wasn't long after that, that I started volunteering. And from there, we, it just slowly progressed. And I mean, the cool. other big thing was finding finding the right counsellor, but that kind of comes into yeah, when we talk about some other things. Place, but yeah. I think that was another another turning point. Yeah. Okay. And just going back one, just just one step. I, I just when you when you went to the meetings, and and you saw people that you knew and people who loved you, how did that make you feel? Did that did that improve your feeling of health, or did that sort of like, or were you again like that? You know. I want to hug, but I don't want to hug. <laughs> it made me feel resentful, to be honest. When I, when I went to the meeting, it made me feel resentful because everyone else was happy and I wanted to be happy. And I wasn't. I was just so unbelievably miserable. Um, so I pretty much just tried to get out as soon as I could. Okay. And I yep. think for me, it was almost a case of don't be too nice to me because then I'll cry. <laughs> so I didn't yeah. want to talk about it. I wanted to kind of just keep that. No, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Because actually, if I had started talking about it and actually really opened up to people, I would have just got upset about it. So I was kind of I almost. Probably people wanted to do more and I almost wouldn't let them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. So. Now that you're better, or a lot better, what is it that keeps you going now that you didn't have before? Is there any, you know, any big change that's that's like really makes a big difference day by day? Uh, to me personally, the fact that we now have a much much stronger marriage keeps me going. We're so much closer than we ever were before. In fact. Yeah, we just are, and um, it, we just feel like we've been through so much together that there's nothing really that we can't talk about now or that we can't get through together. Yeah, and I think we've seen each other at our at our lowest and at our worst, and therefore there's nothing that we yeah that we can't open up to each other about now. Um, yep. And we know how to support each other better with things yeah. as well. I think our faith is a big thing as well because when we were first married our faith wasn't really our priority. Yes, we did go to the meeting, um, but we didn't really talk about the truth that much at home. We weren't particularly good at doing our readings. It, you know, I think that's a really big change for us is that that's become so much more important for us and we can depend on that so much more. Yeah, um, And that helps us definitely. Cool. And then I think for you, the other thing that always brightens you is, is the children. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah? Yeah, yeah it's... Uh... Partly it's because that unless I'm having a really, really terrible bout of depression when I can't get up, 
I know that I have responsibilities and I know that I have to get up and do things. The the kids aren't just going to look after themselves. Well, maybe they would if I just let them. But, <laughs> but, but you never yeah. know. Do you with yeah. children? <laughs> Probably try. But um, yeah, I know that I've got things to do and I have to be responsible. I have to look after the kids, and they they're funny. They make me laugh, which is always a good thing. Yeah, cool. that's really awesome. We really appreciate you sharing your story and um, just being vulnerable enough to be able to share this, which was obviously a really, really difficult, very raw time in your lives. Um, and we just really, really appreciate that you're willing to to share this. And because there are so many people that are struggling in similar ways and often feeling really really as you've described isolated and alone <clears throat> so yeah thank you thank you so much and and i know also it's it's really hard to talk about it too when it's so recent um yeah you know it's uh, well i know what it's like for me when you're talking about something that's happened relatively recently it's like mm, i don't <laughs> want to cry <laughs> you know, but, um you know we really appreciate that and um if it's okay with you, can we have you along next time and we'll um, carry on this discussion and see what you've got to say about about what what we can do for people yeah. who are in your situation. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Um, now, if you want to see any more on about uh, Family Matters, um, you can click on our, our Ecclesia website and I'll put that link up shortly. Um, and in the meantime, we will close with a prayer and Dan, would you mind closing with a prayer for us? Yeah. Our merciful Father in heaven, we come to you with our hearts humbled to thank you for this time that we've been able to spend together with our brethren and sisters. Time to study one of the mental illnesses that we as humanity suffer with. We pray that those who do suffer will have been comforted and that they will know that they are not alone, Lord. We know that we are never alone as long as you are there to lean on. And we pray that those who care for them will have been encouraged. Father, please hear our prayer and accept it. We ask it in the name of our coming King and we pray that his coming will be soon through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to uh, Family Matters. Today we have uh, Dan and Gina Woodcock on with us and we're going to be talking about depression and this is part two of a two-part conversation so if you missed the last part uh, for last week um, do have a look at that it was a really encouraging discussion um, a really powerful one where uh, Dan and Gina were able to really share their feelings and share how that they've been through this horrible dark place together and how their marriage stayed together at the same time. So we're going to carry on with that discussion tonight, today. Um, we're going to um, look at a slightly different aspect of it this this time, um, looking at, at what it was that, that brings people through depression and how we can help. So this is going to be a really neat discussion and we're really looking forward to it. So thanks for joining us, Dan and Gina. Thank you. Good to see you. 
<laughs> you too. Um, before we start, let's just open with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of being able to talk freely like this. We thank you for your blessings of, of having other people have gone through this depression and through other illnesses before us. And we pray that you would help Dan and Gina today to be able to encourage us and help us as we all experience similar problems. Because we know that you do give us all similar experiences through this life. And we pray that we would be helped and encouraged along the way, whether we experience it ourselves or whether we um, are able to help others through a time of darkness as well. So we thank you for them today and we pray that you would bless our time together, that it would be an encouragement and a strength and that that strength would be able to go from here and to be able to encourage others. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, we ask this. Amen. Amen. To introduce this one, I just wanted to read from Psalm 43. I haven't turned up yet. <clears throat> verses from verses two, three, and five. You are my God, you God are my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the heart. O oh God, my God, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. <clears throat> So with that introduction, I think I think that was a, a, a psalm where the psalmist was feeling particularly low. Well, those those couple of psalms, you know, why are you so distressed, oh my soul? He says, and he says, put your hope in God. So what we're going to find out today is um is how you guys got through it, through this depression that we heard about last time. Um, so yeah, how can we begin that? Yeah, well, what sort of, well, we're going to talk today about um, what sort of treatments are available and um, and what, what you did, Dan, you know, what, what, what was helpful for you um, in your journey? So, uh, yeah, what sort of treatments are available for a start? In the way of treatments, the first thing you need to do is um, go and see a doctor, basically. Um, and it's it's not always that easy though because sometimes you will come across a doctor you'll meet them straight away and think I'm trying to think of a polite way to say it you're not very good at your job <laughs> um, or you're not very good at this part of your job um, and so you need to be persistent with it and um, go find the doctor that's right for you um, because I've had some terrible ones I really have that just don't listen to you. All they want to do is up your medication, stick you straight on medication or whatever it is. And it might not necessarily be right at the time. So yeah, so don't be afraid if you go to the doctor and you don't get the answers that you think you need. Don't be afraid to 
to maybe book an appointment with someone else. I think the other thing is is maybe to take someone with you yeah. to the appointment. Um, because I mean, I've been to a few appointments with Dan, partly because when he's really depressed, he finds it quite hard to concentrate. So actually, I, if I'm there, I can remember all the things the doctor's asked him to think about or to do. But the other thing mm. is that when you're in that really deep depression, that that's all you can remember. You can't remember anything mm. else. So I can also give the balance of kind of how he feels when he's feeling better or maybe mm. a, a more balanced view of, of how he's getting on with things. So I think it's, it's if you can take some with you, it is really helpful. Well, is it helpful? Yeah, yeah, it's very helpful. No, it's very helpful. I'm, I always try and take Gina along with me when I can. Yeah, basically, yeah, as she said, I can't, I can't remember anything. I can't when I'm feeling that depressed. All I can be is in that moment when I feel so terrible. I can't remember how I felt because sometimes they'll ask you, "Well, how long have you felt like this? Did you feel like this yesterday?" And I'm like, "I feel like it now." <laughs> that's, that's that's pretty much all I can remember, but fortunately Gina has those answers, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, the next step will probably be medication. If um, the GP will usually tell you to like exercise more, eat healthily, you know, basically be healthy, and you'll feel better. But if that doesn't work, then it's usually medication, um, and I know I had a few concerns when I went on um, antidepressants for the first time, or maybe not for the first time, I didn't really care the first time, but um, I have had concerns about it, like it, it makes you think, well, if my mood's changed this drastically, am I still really me? Is is mm. this still the person that I am, or am I someone different now, and will Gina still love me if I'm someone different or maybe God wants me to feel like this and so who am I to change it um, and it, it's it was something that I struggled with for a while but it was actually writing those articles for the Christadelphian that made me actually find find the answers rather than just ignoring the questions um, am I still me yeah of course the antidepressants won't change what you like, what you don't like, um, what what kind of person you are, whether you're a happy person naturally, whether you're a cynical person, whatever it is, that they won't change that about you. All they'll do is mess with the balances of some of the chemicals in your brains, in your brains, brain, and <laughs> <laughs> make you feel a bit happier. Um, and as for maybe God wants me to feel like this. Um, well, that would be the same as, say, falling off a ladder, breaking your back, and just lying there and being like, maybe God wants me to feel like this, so I shouldn't go to hospital. I should just lie here. Um, and it, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, and I was worried about being on, on medication for the rest of my life as well, because I think that's probably what it's going to come to. But Again, if you compare it to something like uh, diabetes, you don't just stop taking your insulin because you feel a bit better. You have to be taking it, otherwise bad things will happen. And it's exactly the same. Uh, then you have things like talking therapies. Um, 
again, you really, really have to find the right person for you. And this, it can take a bit of shopping around. I remember I, I went to one counsellor who was absolutely convinced that I was more, se more severely depressed than I actually was because I had a beard. Um, <laughs> and I, think, I think it was kind of coming from like the personal grooming angle. You're not looking after yourself, therefore you must be really depressed. Little did you know that was just your style. Yeah, I, did. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't go back to him again. I don't think you got no, no, we, we didn't go back there again. But on the other hand, um, I've, I've spoken to a, a, a really good counsellor who I still contact every now and then, and that was through the CSN, the Christadelphian Support Network, which was actually my very, very last resort. I didn't really, really, really did not want to go to a Christadelphian counsellor and talk about all the things that were troubling me and all the things uh, that had gone on in my life and all the things that I felt so horrible about and all and all the depression and everything. I did not want to go to a Christadelphian and talk about that because my attitude was, but you're all so good and I'm so obviously a failure. Why, why would I expose myself to that? But you kind of got to the point where you didn't know what else to try. Yeah, yeah, I kind of, I got to rock bottom really. And it was kind of, I really felt like I had a choice of, God had put me there at this this uh, fork in the road. And it was like, you can carry on going your own way and see where that takes you, or you can lean on me. And thankfully that is what I did. And eventually I did ring the CSN and they were absolutely brilliant. I really cannot speak highly enough of them. I got through on uh, one day, talked to um, one of their call handlers. Call handler, that's the one. And then I explained to him how I felt and what was going on. And like, as soon as I'd finished, he was like, yeah, I know, I think I know the exact right guy for you. The next day or the day after that, I got a call from this counsellor and he's, he's just been so unbelievably helpful. I'm so, so grateful to the Lord for him. And I think actually talking to someone in the truth really helped because they understood kind of some of the worries linked to that as well. And like the, the link, yeah. link to how you worried about your faith as well, rather than just about the symptoms of the depression yeah but i think also the timing of that was so important mm -hmm. because it was only because i wanted to come back to the truth that that worked for me if if i'd have gone to see him 10 years ago it would have done nothing for me no more than anyone else but it was because i'd made that that first move in my head and decided to lean on god that um, that he really helped. So those fears that you had of explaining, you know, your feelings to someone you sort of almost knew, that didn't none of that materialised. No, it was um, it was absolutely brilliant. He just knew exactly where I was coming from because what I failed to see was that yes, I found. Christadelphians intimidating but actually like morally intimidating I mean 
but actually they're just we're just humans we're just people we are all people we all suffer with the same things broadly speaking um and it, f because i'd spoken to the call handler and he found the right person he knew exactly where i was coming from and, and knew exactly what i was talking about and was able to help me much much more than anyone that i'd seen in the world because he understood it from from a christadelphian or spiritual point of view yeah so how did you how did you get to the point in your mind where you were willing to to make this step what 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 helped you get to that to that point where where you were prepared to to say i've i've had enough of being in this place it wasn't so much i've had enough of being in this place it was that there was nothing else left to try that was it um it's still it wasn't by choice that i well obviously it was a choice but it wasn't that i thought oh yes this is what i'll do now it was absolute desperation of there is just nothing else that i can do um all i can do is uh lean on god and then then um ringing the csn suddenly occurred to me like that would be a good idea okay so what can we all learn from from depression like you know as as a as a, as a group you know if we if, if someone like you came into our meeting and suffering from depression or weren't at the meeting suffering from depression what ways can what what's the best ways for us to respond um or is there anything like you know any procedures our, our ab's could put into place to say you know these are these are good things for us to do or things not to do or things not to do probably better <laughs> yeah i think in terms of um procedures it's just kind of like keeping in touch um offering to do the go and do the readings with the person or uh, offering a lift to the meeting if they're feeling really because there were points that i felt so just awful that i couldn't drive they said earlier about my concentration i couldn't drive i couldn't have been trusted to get on public transport at all because i i would have, i don't know what i would have done i would have been all over the place but um so if someone felt like that then yeah, yeah. a lift a lift would really help i think it's the other thing the other side of that though is to know that you might offer something several times before they accept so not to take it as if they say no not to take it as no i never want you to help me no I'm, it's no i'm not in the right place right now but actually not not to kind of to give up on them but to remember that you can you can ask again um because they they probably do yeah. want your help and i think that's that's one of the things sometimes i think that there were tiny tiny threads that tied me back to the meeting um and that is one of them that um brethren and sisters from our meeting would ring and say hi how are you or they'd pop in every now and then and it's at the time i was just like oh leave me alone but now i look i can look back and see they cared about me um and it was just like another tiny thread just to tie me back 
facts are the truth. And I appreciated it, even at you know at the time you you didn't really know what to make of it. I really appreciate when people checked in with us or or asked how we were doing. Um, and and also it's kind of offering offering help maybe to come and sit with the person who's suffering from depression so that the partner can go out to just go and get something done or go and have a bit of time for themselves because there's quite a lot of the time I didn't like to leave Dan on his own um, and that that would be really helpful because then I could actually go and have a bit of space and a bit of time for myself as well. Yeah and I think um, praying obviously praying for the person is a, is a huge thing. Um, you want to pray for things yeah. like comfort for them that they get the support that they need that they'll hold on to their faith even though things are looking pretty terrible for them at the moment um and tell them that you're praying for them yeah because that's really important knowing that people are praying yeah. for you um is, is it helpful for it to have people pray with you at the time or or is that just too confronting it depends depends on your state of mind it will all depend on the person for me i had no interest in the truth so it wouldn't have helped me but i can relate it to other things i think that if i had wanted to pray it would have been really helpful because i didn't have any concentration i couldn't couldn't really string words together properly um so having someone pray for me would have been great yeah i think it, within the occlusion as well it's you're saying about kind of the things to say or not to say um you know sometimes people do fall into the trap of saying things like well what have you got to be sad about or you know pull yourself together or where's your faith and and those aren't aren't helpful things if if they're sad are they no because they make you feel more guilty they just perpetuate the whole thing and, and people feel, say them with good intentions. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, they, they, they're trying to help. Yeah, and I think there is a certain generation that consider that a really good way to help, just like give you a good kick up the backside, you'll be all right. Um, but yeah. actually, if you're suffering with depression, then it just makes you feel guilty for how you're feeling because you start to think, well, why am I sad? What's wrong with me? Why, what on earth have I got to be sad about? And then you feel bad about that. But I think also um, sincerity is a huge thing and I wouldn't ever use it as a criticism of anyone but a, a lot of conversation I find at the meeting is hi how are you and that's it and then you move on to the next person and as I say we all do it so it's, it's not it's not a criticism of anyone but I, I do remember the impact that it had on me there was one brother in particular who when I went to the meeting would talk to me, would ask me how I was, what was going on in my life. Um, we'd have a conversation. And then the, the most important bit was that what, next time I went, he would remember it all. And he would ask it's me how this was progressing and how, how something else was going on. And it just made me feel like I was wanted there and that, and that um, I was cared about. And that was such a huge thing to me. And that was another one of those those little threads that just tied me back. But actually, if everybody had tried to do that, it would have been too much, wouldn't yeah, it? So definitely. I think it is about, you know, if there's someone who particularly you get on with or is particularly good at, yeah. at talking to people, then that, you know, that's a really good idea. But I think if everyone had tried to do that, it would have been quite overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. So well, yeah. we would 
we'd never have got home. No, we would never have got <laughs> home. Exactly. If one person adopts you or one or two people adopt you, yeah, like yeah. It, it would be really great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think yeah. the other thing as well is is just is being open and talking. So um I mean I was saying that I found it quite hard to talk to people at the meeting. Once I did start to open up and talk to people, you, you do find out how many people actually have either been through it or know someone who's been through it and people are, are mm. really understanding. But it is starting that conversation, um, which whichever side that comes from, I think you know, trying to be more open and trying to talk about it more is also really helpful. The other thing is that you don't always have to offer a solution. You can just listen and sometimes that's enough. I always found that really hard because I'm the kind of person that if there's a problem, I want to know what's the problem, this is how we fix it and now we move on. And depression just isn't like that at all. You know, I, I've learned I've learned that I can't just try and offer solutions because actually there are often aren't solutions that what Dan needs from me is just to listen and to be here and, and to know that I will listen. Also, yeah. if you're offering help to people, there's quite a strong chance that they might say no time after time after time after time. It's, it's really important that you don't be offended by that because it's not you that they're rejecting. They're not saying, no, I don't want to spend time with you. What they're saying is, no, I don't feel up to doing that at the moment. Um, so as Gina said, don't, if, they, if they say no, don't take that as never ask me again. Yeah, and don't take it personally. No. Yeah. 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 So how is it if people um, know that you are suffering from depression or some, you know, illness in that particular way, if they, you know, keep asking about that particular thing, is that is that too much? Do you want just normal sort of conversation, everyday conversation, or do you... Or is it appreciated to be asked on a regular basis how you're doing in the depression? Uh, That's a really tricky one because I think is. it depends whereabouts you are with your yeah. mood. Because I think in some sometimes the way he's feeling, you really appreciate talking about that. And other times you just don't want to talk about it. And that's, that's a really yeah. hard one yeah, to know how to is. judge, actually. Mm. I completely agree. I was trying to think of a good way to put it. But you did it well. And is that a way, is that something that is, you know, say Sharon or I are talking to someone at the meeting, you, you put a little thing in the conversation and see if someone picks it up perhaps? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. I, and if the ducks just carry on, you know, as the weather is, is it <laughs> <Yeah>. morning here? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, that's a really good point because that way you're still having the conversation with them but you're kind of giving them the option whether they want to open up about things at that moment yeah. or not. You're kind of letting them know I'm here to talk about it, but it's yeah. fine if you don't want to as well. So, Yes, because it can be very awkward being on the other side of the fence, knowing yeah. is this subject is this something I should bring up? You know, I, I know, but should I bring it up or do you yeah. actually really just want to talk about the weather today? <laughs> and that's it. Uh, I don't think I would... I, I personally wouldn't ever have been offended if anyone had put brought it up. You know, but if I didn't want to talk about it, I would just kind of shut down that avenue of conversation. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't at all be offended. It, I probably just would have been 
happy to know someone cared enough to know to be honest right okay it's cool it's really useful to know that because yeah it can be so difficult to know i wouldn't quote me on that though because some people (laughs) might be offended (laughs) okay if someone does get offended don't go back and say but dan said it would be okay And there might be some people um, whose emotions just can't cope with talking about something like that at the same time. Um, You know, so yeah, if that conversation shuts down, shut it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just talk about the cat. (laughs) (laughs) Does a sense of humour help? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely that's something that we, if you know you're kind of having a bad day or you're starting to feel a bit low, we definitely try and find things to make us laugh. Don't yeah, we? I mean, and if it's if it's a really bad bout, then just having a bit of a laugh isn't going to help. But if I can start to feel it coming on, there are times that we can cut it off just by just by laughing. Yeah, and our, our daughters are very good at giving us things to laugh about. Yeah. Um, our favourite <laughs> moment is that our older daughter likes us to sing The Day Thou Gave Us To Her At Bedtime. Um, and is it, the, is it the last verse? Yeah, it's the last verse where it says, um, Earth's proud empires pass away. And she always sings it as Earth's proud vampires. Absolutely <laughs> 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 hilarious. So if Dan's having a bad day, we just have to say Earth's proud vampires. And we've got <laughs> I mean, other things kind of to try and help yourself. I mean, you've got certain things that you try to do if you know you're starting to feel feel bad. So you said about having a mantra. Oh uh, yeah, I only yeah, that is something that I can do, but uh, that is only if I have a day when I'm I'm just I can't get out of bed and I can't think and I can't do anything then I do tend to just lie there and just repeat the same thing over and over again. It's just, I'm I'm breaking, Lord, help me. I'm breaking, Lord, help me. Which is basically the only short sentence that I can string together in, in a, uh, in a, in like a coherent way. Um, but there are things that you can do when it's, it's a bit milder, just if you can feel it coming on, which, I never used to be able to. I've only learned to do that since I don't know when, to be honest. The last, the last <laughs> year. Um, but it's just it's it's such an odd feeling. It feels like a bubble growing in your chest, and and when it bursts, that's going to be the depression. That you can sort of I can sort of deflate that sometimes by going out for a run or a walk or doing something energetic. You know, the things that the doctor would tell you to do if it was just a mild uh, or minor depression. Um, and also doing, trying to do something that distracts you. Yeah. But it's got to be something, you're saying, got to be something that's really yeah, yeah. absorbing, not just kind of putting the telly on because then you've still got all your thoughts. Yeah, well. or the same reading a book, you can still have your thoughts going on in the background while still staring at the page, basically. So I used to... Uh, play computer games if I started feeling if I started feeling like I was really going downhill I would throw my mind into a computer game because you actually have to concentrate on what you're doing um or if you play an instrument or something like that 
but obviously not one that you're too good at, not one that you can play from <laughs> memory and still think about in the background. Um, it has to be something that you really you can really focus on and really takes up your attention. Yeah, that really takes your whole brain. Yeah. 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 So so when you like you say, you know, you you when you're going through a mental illness or a depression, you your mind can't take in too much. And you're talking about praying before, you know, you're repeating the one thing over and over because that's pretty much all you can do. Um, how does that go? Like if you're wanting to if 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 you have a depression or a mental illness of whatever sort, um, how do you go about praying or, or doing Bible study? And can you can you do anything like that? How do you keep your faith alive? How can you keep your faith alive like that? All I think you can do is as much as you can do, as stupid as that sounds. Um, but if you can't, if you're really bad, then just find a sentence in the Bible that you can relate to. If something that you've heard, something that you've read recently, anything that you can latch on to that you can relate to. Because um, and the same with praying. God knows what's in your heart. He knows how much you're capable of. And he knows if you are, if you really cannot do any more than that. Um, it's like the widow's might. She wasn't condemned for putting in a tiny amount because that's all that she had. And it's it's exactly the same. You won't be condemned for um, giving just a tiny prayer or having just a tiny portion of scripture in your head because if that's all you're capable of handling, that's all you're capable of handling. It's the same with the um, the parable of the talents. The, the last guy comes and he says, why didn't you at least put my money in the bank so I could collect the interest? And that that's what this is. This is the the very least that you can do. Um, in your case, or in my case, it's the very most that I could do. But compared to what I could see everybody else doing, it was a tiny amount. Um, but God knows. He knows. He knows what your thought process is and he knows if you're just saying well I can get away with just doing like reading one verse or whether actually that one verse is all that you can manage yeah how can we pray for people who are going through depression or mental illness what, what, would, um, you, what would you say would be the best sort of you know what can yeah how can we pray what what do we say so I think praying, praying for them to be comforted and to be encouraged, um, praying that they've got the right people to support them around them, that you know they can get the right help, and also that they can they can hold on to their faith, they can hold on to their belief throughout that, even though that's really difficult. Even if you know, as Dan said, they can only hold on to a small amount at that time, that they don't lose it entirely. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And what 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 advice would you give for um, somebody who's living with some with with a person who has got depression? How can they be support? You gonna take that on me? Uh, <laughs> well, how did Gina? How did how did you find Gina best supported you, Dan? Patience, really. That she never gave up on me, which at the time sometimes I wish she would, but. 
she never did. And now I can look back on that and think that is the best possible thing that she could have done for me. She never gave up on me. She appreciated the fact that it, it was taking a long time once she could see the turnaround starting. She didn't expect me just to go like that and be fine. She could appreciate the small steps and she always listened to me. She always listened to when I wanted to talk and didn't push me when I didn't want to talk. And those are all really, really big things. And I, I mean, I think from my side, the first thing for the, for the other person is, is try not to blame yourself um, because I did think it was my fault for a long time. And actually, you know, depression is, is, is an illness. It's not anyone's fault. So don't blame yourself because you'll just make yourself feel worse as well. Um, and I think try, try to talk to someone about it. Again, that's something I didn't do in the beginning, but I felt so much better when I did talk to someone. Um, and if there's certain things you don't want to talk to people about, because sometimes things felt so bad that actually I didn't want to open up about those things, maybe, maybe find another way. So I wrote a diary some of the time because it was just another way of kind of a release for the frustration that I felt without having to talk to someone about it. Um, also try not to take it out on the other person, even though they may be, you know, it may be really frustrating that you've been out at work all day and you come home and they're still in bed and they haven't done anything at home. And, you, you know, sometimes it felt really hard and I could quite easily have just gone in and uh, told him how I felt, but it wouldn't have helped because he already felt terrible. So if I'd reinforced that, all I would have done was make it worse. So I think as hard as that is sometimes, it's really important to try not to. Um, be patient, don't expect too much too soon. And I think, you know, acknowledging those little steps in the right direction. So even if it is just, oh, when I got home from work that day, he had got up and had had some breakfast or something, you know, he'd, or he'd got up um, and opened the curtains. Even those little tiny things, I, I tried to acknowledge those so that he knew that I was really proud of the steps that he'd made. Um, and, and just and finally help them get the treatment and the support they need so it's not you don't have to do it on your own yeah that's that sounds fantastic so so what does life look like for yourselves now pretty good i think very, very different yeah much better than it was i mean we've just the whole thing has taught and is still teaching us so much. Um, we're so much stronger as a married couple than we were. And I think stronger than we would have been yeah, without it. Yeah, definitely. Stronger than we would have been had we not been through all this because we would still be in that kind of lukewarm about the truth, um, so kind of caught in the middle, not, not really not really going for it or not really backing away completely either. But as it is, we're, we're, our faith is so much stronger and we feel like now that the Lord has brought us the long way around back to him, we've been taught to really long for the kingdom rather than it just be something that's included in our prayers because we know that that's a time when both of us will have peace. Um, and also it's helped, it's taught us that God has a purpose for us, not 
just as uh, yeah I've got a purpose for you you and you in that ecclesia and the rest of you may as well just come along as well but he's actually got an individual purpose for us um, and I think that's the biggest thing that's come out of it for me is that God has gone through this much trouble to bring me back that he must have something that is a real purpose for me and I'm sure you feel the same after all the all the things that you've been through as well. I know, and sometimes it's hard when we look back. Um, but actually, I, I wouldn't change any of it because we wouldn't be exactly where we are unless we've been through all of that. And and I'm, you know, I'm glad we are where we are now. I think we've we've you know come through all of that, and it does make us think that we could deal with you know whatever the future holds. Really. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So what what little words of hope and encouragement would you would you give to people who are just in the place where you were and to you know just inspire some hope that that, that things can look better for the future? I think that, that there is always hope that however bad things feel, however bad they get, that there is always hope that things that things can get better. Um, yeah, definitely that. I would never have believed, um, say, even three years ago, that we would be here doing doing something like this, talking to you, or that I would be speaking at the meeting or even presiding. I would I would never have believed it. I would have thought that that was something impossible that would never have happened because I would never have the confidence to do that. But there is always hope. And if I can change that much, then there is, the Lord can change anyone, basically. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your experiences and for the wisdom that you've provided for the rest of us. I don't think anyone's ever said that I've provided wisdom before. <laughs> that you've shared them. <laughs> uh, it's been really amazing talking to you both, um, both this session and the last one. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. And I'm sure that that you will have really encouraged someone or or encouraged help someone to have to be able to encourage or help someone else who's in the same boat. Um, can I just say one more thing? You the, sure can. The other, um, the other thing, the other little bit of hope that I really hope will encourage people is that they're not alone. You're never alone. The Lord is always there, even if you can't see him and you can't feel him. He's always there. Um, and you're not only, it's not only him, your brethren and sisters really do care about you even if you feel like you don't, even if you feel like they don't, they really do. So that's that's the big thing that I would like people to take out of us sharing this, that they're not alone. They're not the only ones that feel like that. Yeah, and it's so important because loneliness is yeah, a, a killer, really. It is. Yeah. So thank you so much. Um, we're going to wrap up in a moment. Um, over the next two weeks, we have 
um, good foundations for the early years of marriage with Ben and Ali Wisnup coming up. And we have what to do when you really mess up with Doug and Cindy Mogg. So uh, some really exciting ones coming up and they'll be on New Zealand time, 7.30 p.m. on Monday the 15th and the 22nd of June. Um, what we'll do now is we'll just close with a prayer, I think. And Dan, would you mind? Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Our Father, our loving Father in highest heaven, we come into your presence and we humbly ask that you will hear our prayer. We thank you, Lord, that we've been able to have a little bit, look a little bit more deeply at one of the many things that plagues humanity in these last days. We pray that you will be with all who suffer, Father, whether they suffer in mind, body or faith. Bless them, Lord, that they may be well again and that their love for you may be restored if needed. We long for the day, Lord, that all these things will be done away with by the return of your Son. And it's in his name that we ask this prayer. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.